Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. Don't stay in the gaze. Someone say it again. Don't stay in the gaze. All right. Let me show you I can preach. Give me 20 minutes. I'll be through. When I was growing up, um, <laughs> Mr. Barry, how do you start it? <laughs> when I was growing up, um, I used to get in trouble for staring at people. Um, <laughs> I'm not very expressive verbally, but my face gives away a lot of things that I'm saying or thinking. Um, but many of you have to know me to be able to know what my face is saying. Um, some people say, you know, you smile all the time, so nothing ever bothers you. For those who know me know that I have many different smiles. And those smiles mean different things according to you knowing me. Um, and we used to get in trouble as children because we would stare. Sometimes, I'll say this, Sterling, the greatest laughter I've ever had has been in church. The greatest moments of extreme laughter always seem to happen at the most inappropriate times in church. Am I the only person who's ever experienced that before? Where something will happen and it will wear you out where you have to excuse yourself to go to the bathroom or you'll be getting down like you in your purse, but you're not in your purse. You just got to get that laugh out, you know. Um, and my dad's church was not expressive like this. It was quiet. So <laughs> you, it would be worse because when it's quiet, you want to laugh the loudest. Um, and my sister and I oftentimes would get in trouble for those types of things. My middle sister, well, she's the one right under me. Um, but my sister and I, also, we used to have a game that we would play uh, where we would stare at each other and we would see who could stare at each other the longest without blinking. Um, have y'all played that game? I'm sorry. I know this y'all waiting for something deep, but this is just, I'm trying to set it up, but we used to do that. Cole, you know, you and Courtney used to do that. Well, we used to stare at each other and we would try to see who could stare at each other without blinking or any of that type of stuff. There was nothing wrong with staring. Um, it was a game or whatever, but what happened is, um, there's a difference in staring and gazing. Um, when I was growing up as well as a student, many of us would gaze at a particular teacher that we thought was a beautiful display of God's creation. And we would gaze at them, you know, and, uh, you know, all of y'all had those type of teachers. Some of y'all have those celebrity crushes that you gaze at and stuff like that. So we just gazed at them and there was nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with gazing until gazing becomes staring. Uh, the word gaze means it's a fixed, steady look at something. As we look at this particular text, you can imagine what the disciples were probably feeling and going through. Because for a period of 40 days, Jesus had revealed himself to them through different areas. Scripture says infallible proofs that he had revealed himself. Last few weeks, I've been talking to you about how he revealed himself to Peter. Uh, Peter stooped down and we found that uh, Jesus went to Peter or sent a representative and said, go tell my disciples and Peter. We also found out last week that while Thomas was in a position where he wasn't sure, Jesus walked through closed doors and grace met Thomas where he was. 
Mary Magdalene had a uh, particular encounter with Jesus in the garden where she was grieving. And it says that um, she, a particular person in the garden that she didn't know because grief has a way of blinding you. She didn't know it was Jesus, but when he said her name, she said Robona, which means teacher. We also know that there were two men that were on the road to Emmaus. And while they were on the road to Emmaus, two of the disciples were on the road to Emmaus. And it says that they were walking and a man appeared to them. And he said, why are you sad? Why is your countenance falling? And they said, you don't know what happened? And he said, no, tell me. And they talked to him about how this Jesus that they thought would be the Messiah had been crucified and died. And now they were sad because they really believed that he was the one. Jesus then started to talk to them, but they didn't recognize Jesus because they were in grief. And that Jesus began to explain to them all of the prophets and how he had revealed himself through scripture. After he revealed himself to them, he was getting ready to go away. And the disciples said, don't leave, stay with us. And he ate with them and he disappeared. And they said, where we say often, did not our hearts burn while he was with us? Uh, when you have communion with God in grief, it will open your eyes again. Say that again. When you commune with God in grief, he'll open your eyes again. Communion, as many of you think, is just what we do on the first Sundays. Communion is fellowship coming into relationship with. When they had relationship and fellowship with Jesus, their eyes were open and they said, in the midst of my grief, he came where I was. Now we get to this particular time where after Jesus had revealed himself, he also told them that he was going to be leaving them. In this particular scripture, Jesus, uh, they say to Jesus, they're talking to Jesus as he's on this particular set, this particular uh, area, and he's getting ready to send back to his father. And I'm saying this, and I'm taking my time for those of you who might only get a dose of scripture on Sundays. For those of you who don't read often, I have to make sure that I do a great job of making sure that I explain the story in such a way that you want to go back and read it for yourself. Is there anybody in here who ever you weren't a good Bible reader until finally someone explained it in a way that you said, I want to go back and find that for myself. Can you have, that's, that's what we want to do. So Jesus, they were there with Jesus. And all of a sudden, the disciples said to Jesus, they said, will you at this time restore your kingdom? Jesus had been talking about my kingdom is not of this world and the kingdom will come at some point. They were waiting on a physical kingdom and they said, will you at this time restore your kingdom? Uh, they were concerned. Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons. Times, uh, the Greek word is kairos, which means chronological time. It is not for you to know the chronological time or seasons when that's going to happen. Uh, they, you have to be careful of being anxious for breakthrough. Because scripture says that one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So many of you think God is late and he says he's right on time. So good to see Sister Green too. I'm sorry. I couldn't miss your praise. I wanted to shout you out. Jesus said it is not for you to know times and seasons that the Father has set in heaven. Will you do me a favor right now? Just turn around to someone around you and say be patient. If there's no other words you hear for the rest of this service, be patient. 
Because sometimes things don't come when you want them. They come when you need them. And there are lots of things that we think we need and God has forgotten about. Even the, the sisters, it's not in my scriptures, even the sisters got mad at Jesus because Lazarus was dead longer than they thought he should be. By the time Jesus showed up, scripture says, Brandon, he stinketh. Sometimes he won't come until it stinks bad enough. Is that my cousin Jericho? Sometimes it won't come until it gets bad enough. It won't come to the point where everybody gets on your nerves, including yourself. Have you ever gotten to a season where it gets on your own? You get on your own nerves. It ain't everybody else. You look at yourself and be like, bad, you get on my nerves. Have you anybody? Can we just be honest real quick? Sometimes God doesn't show up until everything seems bad. And then he says, so that you'll get the glory. Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> as long as you get the glory, he can't move. But when is, that the power, when is that the point that he's going to get the glory? Then he moves. So he shows up and he says, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons. It's not for you. But God has set those in heaven. And then he goes on. He says, but then you will receive power. I got caught up in that earlier. And I said, Mario, get out of that thing because that's for today. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And that power, because he says that to them, because they were interested, don't, don't lose this, they were interested in a display of positional power. Because, you know, one of the disciples said, can I sit on your right hand or can I sit on your left? And Jesus said, it is not for me to determine that. You want positions. You want to be liked. You want business cards. You want people to know your name. Uh, it is not for that. This is not about positions. This is not whether they call you pastor, apostle, bishop, evangelist, any of that type of stuff. It is not about that stuff because you do know that everything you get called, there is a demon associated with the title. So while you want to be great in the eyes of man, are you going to be fought in the eyes of the devil? Because everything you call yourself, there is a, there is a demonic associ associated attack uh, to that thing. And can you handle that? Uh, that's why I asked earlier if the Lord has called you to preach. Because when the Lord has called you to preach, you will not preach for crowds. You'll preach for call. You'll preach in the nursing home. When you're called, you'll preach in the prison. When you're called, you'll get a tent, rent a tent and preach in it and wonder if the community is going to come when you're called. But when you just want your back to be scratched and when you just want to check because you need the people to make your ego feel good because mama never told you you were good. And you need an audience to be able to applaud you. Then you're not called. You are a performer. And there's a scripture that says that Jesus talked about hypocrite, hypocrite, which means performer. And don't get in the pulpit. Don't get in there and play with people's lives because you got enamored by suits and likes and Michael Todd and Steve Furtick and Bishop Jakes. There is a call before Potter's house there was West Virginia can you preach when there is no crowd my calling dictate what I do ain't my outfit put me in ICU I'll still preach <laughs> put me in the put me in any type of situation I'll still preach woe to me if I don't preach the gospel so they wanted positional power, but Jesus said, but when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall have 
power, posture power. Which means that you're going to have a display of power in posture, meaning, oh, in purpose, excuse me, in purpose. That your calling, your power is not about position, it's about purpose. There are many people who are walking around saying, I don't know my purpose. I want to ask, do you have power? Because power dictates purpose. The iPhone has never asked what it's supposed to do. Because once you power it up, it functions. If you have not been powered up by heaven, you will not know what you're supposed to do. Because when you're powered up by likes, and when you're powered up by retweets, and when you're powered up by comments, and when you're powered up by booze, and when you're powered up by I like your outfit, and I like the color of your hair, and all that type of stuff, you will always go to people for your power. But when you've been called by heaven, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because I got purpose. What was the power for? He said, and you shall be witnesses. Uh, Timothy Wright says, you should be a witness. <laughs> you should, he said, you will have power to be my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria. He said, and to the uttermost parts of the world. What that means is you don't get it. You don't get that just to be doing it in here. My question is, how much power have you used in your family? My question is, how much power do you use when you're around people you don't like? Because Christians hang out with other Christians. Because we speak Christianese. So when I say God is good, and all the time, How's that work in the club? Because what happens is we're dripping in here, but dry out there. So everything looks good in here, all of our energy. If you are a pastor, there used to be a time that people just wanted to give you a tour of their church. I want you to come see the sanctuary. I want you to see where the choir loft is. Oh, this is where the first lady and I, we sit. I want to show you my, have I showed you my office? Because we love to have power in the area that we had domain. So I want to show you my kingdom. And I want you to praise me. Show you what the church offering caused me to drive in. Am I losing y'all? I don't think y'all have ever heard a pastor tell the truth before. I'm so sorry. Jesus said the truth shall make you free. You do know that. We do the power for display of position. But Jesus said that's not what it's for. You shall be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. What that means is you don't get to choose where I use you. Many of us want multiple choice purpose. I'm saved on Sunday, ratchet on Saturday. Creeping on Wednesday, 
slipping on Thursday. You want to choose when you use the power. But if I would be honest, truthfully, some of my greatest displays of God's power was I was in my greatest display of sin. Oh, y'all don't want to be honest. Some of y'all give me that crooked uh, look. Uh, yeah, that look you're giving me, I'm giving it right back at you because I know you. And there's some, some of you, if you tell the real truth, some of the greatest displays of God's grace have been in your greatest display of wrong. Why is that? Because scripture says where sin abounded, grace did more abound. So it is not by my preaching ability that I am saved. It is by grace and it is by grace alone that I am saved. And if there's anybody who's grateful for grace, come on, give God a grace praise. So Jesus says to them, it ain't about you get to choose. I only want to be saved on Sunday. I want to serve and do my checklist. He said, oh, no, you're going to be witnesses everywhere. That means you won't be able to turn off the drip. There are going to be seasons that you're not going to want to be saved. You're not going to want to be one of mine, but you're not going to be able to escape once I have you. You're going to be in the midst of a halo. And I'm going to call to you and I'm going to speak to you in the midst of you doing wrong because the gifts and the callings do not come without repentance. I'm not changing my mind about you because you changed your mind about me. You will be witnesses. Someone say witnesses. And that's what's wrong with a lot of us. We want everybody else to do what God has called us to do. We don't want to invite people in here because they know us out there. So when we don't, Lord Jesus, I didn't mean to get into this. I feel like I've gotten myself into some trouble. It's the pastor's anointing that's upon me. I feel like I've gotten myself in trouble. But many of us, when we ask, have you invited anybody to church? No, because this is your safe place. Because you're dripping in here, but in your conversation out there, you're dry. And you don't want them to know that you're saved in here. But you shall be a witness. <laughs> Just turn around to a few people and say, you should be a witness. Just tell, you should be a witness. Uh, come on, Soprano. You should be a witness, Virginia. No, tell them you will be a witness. Sorry. You'll be a witness. You'll be a witness. So at that time, after that, I'm through. I'm finished. I'm taking too long. After they got through saying that, he said, you will be a witness. It says, then Jesus started to ascend. While scripture says, while they were looking at him, he started to ascend. Now, some people say that they looked away and he ascended. When they looked back, he was gone. No, they were looking at Jesus and he transitioned. Do you know you can be looking right at him and he'll shift on you? Many of us are having an issue in the pandemic because we want church the way it used to be. But he, you can be looking at a thing and he'll shift right on you in the middle of it. <laughs> Scripture says, and suddenly, he, he'll, he'll just shift. While they were looking, he shifted. And a lot of us are, are control freaks. So you have issues with shifting. That's why, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm just, just, I had no intentions for this. But that's why some people who have not been in church for 20 years... When they come back, they want you to do the same thing you were doing 20 years ago. Yeah. 
They want the same songs. They want you to do it the same way because they don't think God, they don't think it changes. It stays the same way. But I serve a progressive God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forevermore. But the method of which we present Jesus does evolve. And it does change. If y'all grateful for evolving God that he does continue to change. There are some things I do miss and there are some things I do love about the old church. Yes, I do. Don't think I don't. But there are some things that I don't know if it was God. There are some things we glorify that I'm not really sure if it was God. Because how can you clear out a choir stand and then cuss me out in the parking lot? I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. That was completely the Holy Ghost. Or if that was locked up rage. And you use a song to hit somebody that you always want to hit. I'm not sure. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. Y'all come back next week. I'll take my medicine. He goes on and he says that while they were looking at him, Jesus ascended. I live streaming. Don't y'all tune off. I love y'all. He ascended while they were looking. And the angels, this is why I'm going. I'm almost finished here. I promise you, Caesar, I am. And then I'm going to let Caesar come and he's going to tune up and then I'll be through. So after Jesus ascended, and then it says that the angels appeared, looked at them and said, why stand you there gazing? When the same Lord who you saw ascend is going to come back just like he said he would. Why are you gazing? Why are you so enamored at that? He told you he was going to do that. You know, it's so amazing to me how some people are surprised when God moves. You know, we say stuff like, I didn't think he was going to come through. Why? Come on, let's be honest. I thought he was going. God didn't design your life to be miserable. You want scripture for it? If an evil father gives good gifts to his children how much more will a good father give to his children someone just say he's a good good father that's who he is that's who he is he won't let you suffer not forever some of y'all keep making confession my life has always been suffering what don't stay like that scripture says his anger is but for a moment but his favor is forever. Then it goes on and says, weeping may endure for a night. See, we only quote that part. It's a whole scripture that his anger is just for a moment. But his favor is forever. Weeping may endure for a night, but what? Comes when? Wake up. It's morning time. Come on. Look at somebody say, wake up. It's morning time. Let me tell you something. For those of y'all who had a hard time saying it, because some of y'all looking at me in the corner of your eye like it ain't morning. Morning does come when it's still dark. <laughs> Just because it's dark don't mean it's not 1201. The dawning of a new day comes when it's still dark. But you better praise God in the dark because the sun is going to shine eventually. Somebody praise God in the dark. If you're in a dark moment right now, praise God because the sun is going to shine. My shit Oh, glory. So, stay out of that. So it goes on. He says, why stand you gazing? The same Lord, he's going to come back. 
So I want to talk about this as I get out of this series. This is my last point in series, and we're going to go into a new series next month called Family, where it's about friends and family and relatives and all that type of stuff. But why he said you're going to be witnesses? He said, why are you gazing? I thought about that. He said, why are you gazing? Why are you standing there? Why are you? Don't stay in the gaze. Why? Because, first point, if you stay in the gaze, Sterling, you'll park where he wants you to pivot. You'll park where he wants you to pivot. There are many different guards, excuse me, many different gears and cars. Many of you are not enjoying the benefit of your car because you stay in park. Your car is equipped and designed to do more than stay in one spot. But there are some of us, that's why he was telling the disciples, don't stay gazing, parking when you're supposed to pivot. Meaning, you got to get off of this mountain. You got to move this from this experience. You can't stay here. You can't get stuck in this moment. But he was saying that to them because sometimes when something that you were holding on to leaves you, you get stuck. So they had gotten used to Jesus being around them. They got used to Jesus being there. And all of a sudden, Jesus shifted and they parked. They were like, wait a minute. This thing shifted too fast. He says, but the angel said to them, don't park where you're supposed to pivot. Pivot means turn. Pivot means change. And there are some of you that God's been speaking to you about pivoting for a minute. But you can't pivot because you love park. How do you know you love part when you haven't forgiven? How do you know you love part when you keep talking about how it used to be? How do you love part when you watch everybody else on YouTube and you love them, but you don't serve here? Park. But the Holy Ghost was not designed for you to watch YouTube. The Holy Ghost was designed for you to be a witness. Oh, sorry, y'all. Pastor, that's how it is. But you can't be parking where God wants you to pivot. How about you go get the clothes you used to wear and see how that works today? That's why we love TBT, Throwback Thursday. Because we flash back to how it used to be and how we used to wear. And some of y'all, instead of flashing back, you wear back. So your throwback is not a throwback, it's a today back. Because you have not changed, because you part at confession. You confess, you, you stayed at confession, like I gave my heart to Jesus, but that was not it. That's not all. Just giving your heart to Jesus and getting baptized and the church was on fire and you got on a white robe and they made sure your, uh, your mouth was over your, and all that type of stuff. And you went down and came back up and you came up and went down a dry devil, came back up a wet one. That's not it. That's not the end of the story. Because he did not save you to become a Christian. He saved you to become a follower of Christ. Because everybody talking about I'm a Christian. There is nowhere in scripture where he wanted you to be a Christian. Every disciple he called, he said, follow me. Follow me. And I will make you a disciple. I'll make you a follower. Don't fall in love with park when God's designed you to pivot. He says, don't get stuck in a gaze. 
That's the first thing. He said, secondly, the reason that I don't want you to stay stuck in the gaze, you don't do that. He said, because you'll enjoy a moment, but miss a movement. Oh. He said, because, hey, Peter, the reason that I told them to tell the disciples and you is because you got a message to preach in the next chapter. He said, because that Holy Ghost, I said, will come up on you. It came in the second chapter. And when that Holy Ghost comes, the people who are around it, they say, these people are drunk with wine. And Peter rises up and he said, these people are not drunk being that it is just the third hour of the day. Now, some of y'all might be, but he said, these aren't. <laughs> some of y'all get started early. He said, they, these people are not drunk being that it's just the third hour of the day. He said, but this is, this is that that the prophet Joel spoke of. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Come on, I want somebody to say it's coming on me. It's coming on me. That means it's available to you. That, that the Holy Spirit is just not selective. This Holy Spirit is for every single person. And if you want it, you can have it. Someone say it's coming to me. The Holy Spirit is coming to me. Now, some of y'all can't receive the Holy Spirit because you're concerned about the language of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the language. I'm talking about the embodiment of the Holy Spirit. If you get a relationship, the relationship will dictate the language. When you are dating someone, you're, you're, the, when you're dating somebody, Lord, am I supposed to get into that? When you're dating someone and when you're having a conversation with someone, you don't have to worry about how you talk if it's organic. The operative word is if. Because if you're trying to get in an arrangement, it's not organic. And some of y'all are trying to learn the function without learning the person. Whew, I'm sorry. I hope this is not too heavy for you. Some of y'all are trying to learn the functionality and not learn the purpose of or the personality of. I don't want to know church. I want to know Christ. If I know Christ, he'll teach me about church. Someone say, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I, I want to know the Holy Spirit. I want to know the Holy Ghost. I know we don't say stuff like that anymore. We don't talk about the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. But I was growing up as the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Mufasa, the Holy Ghost. Ooh. Holy Ghost. Someone say it three times. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. No, just laying. I'm sorry. Just, I'm sorry. Holy Ghost. All right. Let me get out of that. Come back, Mario. All right. He says... But you're going to, he said, but Peter, he said, I called you to preach. And when Peter preaches and when he talks to them, scripture says, and they might put the scripture up there. They probably don't even know what scripture I'm on. I don't either. And it says that what, when they, he was preaching, it says that their hearts were pricked by what he said. He spoke with such conviction. He spoke with such passion. He spoke in such a way. And there's nothing like someone preaching who was actually the one who was on the other side of the sermon. Peter's preaching now from experience saying I'm not preaching to you based on good uh, theology I'm not preaching to you based on I went to school I'm not preaching to you because I went to seminary I'm preaching to you because I was one of you I'm preaching to you because I denied him but now I own him I'm, I'm preaching to you from a moment where he redeemed me too and from that they they talk and they said what must we do with this message and he said repent Pivot. Repent. Change. 
Don't go back the same way you came. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. That's why he said to them, he says, you can't stay gazing. He said, because if you get caught up in this, in this moment, that's a whole movement. What is the movement? The whole church is going to be birthed through you. I want to bring this down for those of you who think I'm really up here. There are people who are watching you that you haven't even met yet. There are friends, there are associates, there are co-workers. There are people that are watching you right now that if you get stuck in a moment, you're going to miss the movement that's going to come through you. You can't go off on your co-workers like everybody else can. Oh, I missed all of y'all. You can't clock on your children like everybody else can. Why? Because there's a whole movement that's going to come through your decisions. And if you're not careful, you're going to get stuck in what mama used to do and daddy used to do and how it's always been done and how church used to be done. And God said that was a moment. That was a moment. I thank God for how I was raised, but that was a moment. I thank God for what we did back in the, in the library. And I thank God for what we did in year one. But Mr. Alisa, that was a moment. I can't get it back. I thank God for, 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 for Mama Joyce and all the people that came here, but they're gone. I can't fall in love with a moment and turn it into a museum. I was talking to some students yesterday, and there are a lot of you who, who have become your religion, and you don't even know what your religion is. Many of us say, I'm, I'm, I'm Methodist. I'm Catholic. I'm Baptist. I've always been this. My mom was that. My daddy's that. My cousins are that. We always been that. And then when you ask them, well, what is it? My mom was that. My cousin's that. My daddy's that. Been to Bible study. Been to Sunday school. Well, can you explain it? My mom was that. My daddy's that. We always been that. And you've been that and don't even know what that is. And someone asked me. One time when we started Growth Point, they said, Why is Growth Point not Growth Point Baptist Church? I said, Well, what is it? My mama's that, my daddy's that, my sister's that. I even had somebody tell me, You've been Baptist all your life. I said, I've been saved. I'm not a label. I'm not a label. I'm a follower of Christ. And when he tells you to pivot, he might tell you to pivot from your label. I missed a lot of y'all and I'm trying to, I'm not, and hear this. This is not about the, the denominator. I'm not, it's not about that. It's not, I'm not talking to that. I'm saying don't get so in love with something and you wind up visiting what has no life anymore. Museums are monuments of things it, it, that sometimes religion or tradition has become success of a museum. Of things that used to work that no longer work anymore. And we keep saying stuff like, I don't know why the young people ain't here. I don't know why. Maybe because church became a museum and not a movement. You still wearing choir robes and they wearing Jeezys. Yeezys, whatever it is. I fixed it. I ain't ashamed to say when I mess up. Y'all still trying to get the women to wear their skirts down to their knees and Lizzo's on the cover of a magazine with nothing on. 
talking about black is beautiful. Clothes are too. But I'm saying, Lord, help me to get out of that. Nobody shaming here, don't y'all? Because they put me on, on the hip, you know, world star or something, whatever. Shade room, that's what I meant. The church shade room, you know, they got them too. But what I'm saying is, don't get stuck in the moment of what used to happen. And there's a whole, do you know, I was telling somebody yesterday, do you know the likelihood of, those of you who are single, the likelihood of you dating someone who's been in church all their life is slim to none. So why are you saying, I need me a church man? Where? Who can find them? I'm saying, do you want someone? <laughs> Live streaming, I have a, just, something's going on in the room. <laughs> are you wanting someone who is an institution? Or do you want someone who is a work in progress? Because I'm not looking for a church person. I'm looking for a Christ follower to say, if you've never been to the building, we can work on that. But if you love what I love, we can start there. Jesus said, don't get stuck in, that's the angel said, don't get stuck in that because I'm not doing that anymore. There's a movement that's going to come from the last thing is, and I want to stay there. He said, don't stay in the gaze. Don't get stuck in the gaze because I, want, I don't want you to part where you need to pivot. I don't want you to get caught up in a, in a, in a moment that can turn to a movement. He said, and lastly, I don't, want you, I don't want you to get stuck in the gaze or stay in the gaze because if you're not careful, you'll keep internally what I want you to share externally. Because it says after Peter got through preaching this, it says, then the church started to get caught up in the, and it says, and after he got through preaching, it says that almost 3,000 people got saved that day. And it says, and then they went from home to home and they start sharing everything that they had and they start coming together and they start to drink together and they start to share in the apostles teaching and they start to grow together in small groups and in homes. They started to do that because of the word. But if you're not careful, if you get caught up in a moment, if you get caught up in a gaze, you'll keep internally what God wants you to share externally. This gospel you have, this moment you have, this thing that God is doing in your life is not for you to keep to yourself. We used to sing the song, I said I wasn't going to tell nobody. I couldn't keep it. Even the woman uh, who, who, was, who uh, was at the well, uh, she went into the town and said, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. And the scripture says that they came because of the woman, but they stayed because of Christ. There are some of you who are, have friends and people you're connected to that they might come because of you, but they'll stay because of him. Tell somebody your struggle. Tell somebody what it's like. Tell somebody that you're not perfect, but you're progressing. Don't be ashamed of your story. And matter of fact, tell them the real story, not the Sunday one. Not the one where we say first giving unto God, the saints, members, and friends, pastor, first lady. Not that one. Tell them the ratchet one. Not the clip note ones. Tell them the unedited one. Tell them that one. Because people will follow someone who's working on themselves. 
That's my message. That's all I got. Don't stay in the gaze. Don't stay gazing. The last thing is, my last point is, don't stay, uh, don't miss the gathering because of your gazing. That's our last core value, gathering, fellowship, and community. Like some of you are going to miss the gathering of believers. You're going to miss the, the things that God wants to do because you're just like, oh, didn't God do that? Yeah, he did, but he didn't just do that for you to look at it. He did it for you to move from it. Like this thing right here, in a few minutes, church is going to be over. Our gathering is going to be over. We can't stay in here gazing at what he did. Y'all going to be sitting there like, y'all remember around 1.30? You remember what happened around 1.15? Let's have PJ get back up. Let's have the worship team get back up. That was a moment. We can't get it back. It's gone. It's in the past now. That fast. Pivoted. Changed. But what are you going to do after the gaze? When you leave here, is there anybody at your home? Is there anybody in your friendship circle? Is there anybody you're connected to that you need to share the gospel with? And for those of you who are saying, I don't know how to share the gospel, start with your story. Start with what he's doing in you. Start with how he's freeing you. Start with how he's changing you. The operative word is in, changing, growing. I'm not perfect, I'm growing, I'm changing. I'm developing. Matter of fact, I haven't got my language together. I haven't got my tongue together. I, 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 you know, I'll cuss a little bit, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Will you just look around somebody and say, I'm working on it. Just tell somebody, I'm working on it. It's the real, that's the real truth. The real truth is that I'm not perfect. The real truth is I was gazing. I got stuck in a moment. I did. But I'm so much more than a moment. I'm so not where I was. I'm so not where, where, he, where he first found me. He didn't leave me there. We used to sing a song. What, what key are you in? We used to sing this song. Shackled by a heavy burden Beneath the load of guilt and shame Since the hand of Jesus such touch me and now I am no longer the same he touched me oh he touched me and oh the joy that floods my soul something something happened and now I know he touched me and made me whole come on everybody lift your hands all over the room said I, I remember that moment Come on, everybody, just lift your hands and say, I remember that moment. Some of y'all don't know the song, but remember your moment. For a few minutes right now, I want you to just open up your mouth because I want you to know that praise is audible. Will you do me a favor? Open up your mouth. Thank God for the moments that you've had with him. Thank God for every moment that he has stepped in your life. Thank God for every moment that he touched you and that he did not leave you where you were. Come on, just for a few moments. Raise up the music for a moment and just open your mouth without a song. Just open your mouth. Lord, thank you for the moments. 
come on thank you for the moments thank you thank you for the moments that you didn't let me cry by myself come on come on thank you for the moments that you didn't leave me there thank you for the moments that you didn't let me stay in my gaze come on raise it up come on just for a few moments open your mouth come on come on I tell them yes come on yes come on thank you for a moment yes yes come on thank you for a moment yes 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 come on do me if you just open your mouth for a moment thank you for my moments thank you for my moments Lord thank you for my moments Lord thank you for every moment thank you for every moment that you came to me thank you for every moment that you picked me up thank you for every moment that you came to my family thank you thank you thank you I wanted you to thank God for your moments why because when he gives you a moment it's because he's getting ready to do a movement I don't know how many of you received that when he gives you a moment he's getting ready to give you a movement say that one more time anytime God gives you a moment He's getting ready to birth a movement. Don't you get stuck. Let me, every woman who's ever been pregnant, can I see you raise your hand? Every, every, every woman's been pregnant. Anytime there was movement, anytime there was, anytime there was movement, it was a sign that something was getting ready to happen. When it came time to birth, they would say, how close are your movements? How close are your movements? How close are they? Can, can you time them? And they're saying the movements are getting closer to closer. And some of y'all are saying, well, it, what does they have to do with pregnancy? Every movement is attached to pain. Yes. 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 If your pain seems like it's coming, 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 and you keep being in pain and pain and pain, and, and this is working and this is going on and this is happening. Anybody like that where you feel like everything is happening and you can't catch a break and you can't catch a win and you can't do anything because all of this pain, let me tell you, the pain is attached to the next movement. Turn around someone and say, push. Just, just, just push. Something beautiful. It's on the other side of your pain. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.